Hi everyone, welcome to the Cloud Architects podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology and the people using it. Welcome everyone, Nicholas Blank here with my co-host Chris Goosen at Microsoft Ignite. Hello. For more information on this episode, as well as a list of our other episodes, visit us on the web at thearchitects.cloud. This podcast is brought to you by Kemp Technologies. We chose Kemp as a sponsor based on their amazing product line for the cloud, which includes the Kemp Loadmaster appliance in the Microsoft Azure Marketplace, as well as Kemp 360 family. For more information, go to kemptechnologies.com. We are at Ignite with Steve Goodman from the UK. Welcome, Steve. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's day four at Ignite. Yes. Things are quite tired by now. I've got two sessions to go today. <laughs> so uh, I'm feeling refreshed. I had a good night's sleep. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners, every now and again, there's going to be some random applause. And that's not because people are applauding us. There are other things going on as well. Since we are sat in the community center, we're sitting at the community day stand. And there's a lot of stuff going on around us. It's myself, Nicholas Bank, and Chris Goosen. I'm here too, and I think also, just to echo what you said, I think we're all on the, uh, you know, teetering on the edge of exhaustion at the moment. Uh, so well caffeinated, um, looking forward to a good show. Steve, we cornered you because we want to talk about a relatively sensitive topic, which is mobile device management. Yeah. And there's all this new stuff, and it's been going on for a while. And in all fairness, it's all not, not that new. But looking at someone who's coming from the on-premises landscape, and they may be running a competing product, and there's many of them out there. And we don't want to discriminate against any product, but there is a compelling story that we can tell about having a, a single throat to choke. So I'm doing all this stuff with Microsoft. And so my business has just told me, I want you to embrace the Microsoft MDM solution as well. Now, that means I'm logging into my portal, and I've got all these options and I don't necessarily know what they mean. I've got a basic requirement potentially of, I need to lock down these mobile phones. And I've been told by Microsoft that I have this great story of being able to control data flow from one side to another or one app to another. And my business kind of likes that, but the product I've got on premises locks my phone down amazingly. And I'm expecting the same kind of snappy performance, just like we used to have with Bez. You do something yeah. on the Bez server, bang, it applies, right? And now, what are my expectations from cloud and where do I even begin? I don't think that you should use EMS just because you pay for it. EMS is what? So the Enterprise Mobility and Security Suite. So a lot of, a lot of organizations, they'll buy Office 365, they'll buy EMS as a suite together, they might be buying Windows 10 and that's Microsoft 365, yep. all those products as one. And you'll get in tune with that. But that doesn't mean you have to switch from using Bez or switch from using Mobile Eye and one of these are the really good products entirely over. I think the first point is to work out what's right for the business. Okay. Because as you said, they might really value being able to snappily make changes or focus on the devices rather than the user that uses the devices. That might be just the way that that organization works. 
whereas Intune is very much around letting the user be able to enroll their device then bring it into the management sphere of Microsoft. Okay. But that's not where it ends. But first of all, on that piece, for the overall mobile device management picture, just because you've paid for it as part of a big suite of lots and lots of tools that, that does the job, that doesn't mean you have to use Intune, you know, the whole hog. You've got to evaluate what's right. Is that the end of the show then? You're saying don't use EMS? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you don't just use it because you've got it. You need to, you might say, right, our vision is Microsoft, but you still need to evaluate it like any other product. So if you were, if you're using a, a third party spam solution and you paid for a EOP, that doesn't mean you'll automatically use that. I think a lot of exchange admins see that as, as the case. Yep. And the same applies with Intune. It probably will meet your requirements but you still need to, to make sure that some of the things you highlighted just there, if those are personal preferences for the IT department or the person picking the product versus actual business requirements, see which is true and then make that honest evaluation. Otherwise, people might be disappointed. So I think um, one of the things I come across quite often and, and you know, it's no different with the conversation, do I go Google Suite or do I go Office 365? Right? I get this conversation from customers we're evaluating Mobile Iron, or we're evaluating uh, the VMware product, um, yeah. AirWatch, or we're eva evaluating Intune, and we're looking at the spec sheets, which one is better, right? And I think what you, what you were trying to highlight there before is the fact that there, it's not a spec sheet conversation. It's a conversation of what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. And, and what are your requirements first? And I and, and love the way Nick, Nick often talks about requirements and requirements elicitation as opposed to requirements gathering because yeah. it's not like you just go and pick up a requirement, right? They're not just everywhere and you're trying to... They're like not lying on the ground waiting to be picked up. Actually, you know the 2013 Exchange Architect book you wrote with Neil Johnson? Yeah. It's like that. There's a great section in that around functional and non-functional requirements. Yes, that's my chapter. Yeah. And as soon as you started saying that, I knew it was your chapter. And it, that's the process you need to go through, yeah. right? Before picking the product and what it has to do. You can't just go on, on we're all in Microsoft Cloud. That will probably be the case, right? That's where you'll end up because it probably will meet the, all the musts and most of the shoulds and, and many of the, the ones that you would like to have as well. I'm, first of all, I'm delighted that anyone's even know of my book or, or read the particular <laughs> chapter. So thank you very much for that. As soon as, he, as, soon as Chris started is saying it, it's like, hold on, I've read those exact words on paper. <laughs> yes. I might be tired, but the requirements elicitation. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. That's yes. right. The, mem the memory still works sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, so let's, let's, let's kind of move past that. We know um, we've gone through that process of looking at yeah. uh, requirements. We understand what we are looking to achieve from a, from a product. But when we look at the product, it can be it can be really overwhelming looking at Intune because not only, you know, you may have a, a requirement for uh, mobile device management uh, of your you know your mobile devices, your mobile phones, but you know, I when I'm in the console, I see you know this thing called MAM, and I see this 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 thing called MDM, and I see yeah. Windows, and I see Windows 10, and Android, and I have Android for work, and man, it's like my head's exploding because there's so many options in there. Yeah. So uh, I guess the question is, is there a place to start? What do you need to lock down and when mm -hmm. is a good place to start? So one thing you forgot to mention, or if you're overwhelmed with all this stuff you're seeing, is things like conditional access, which again hooks into to all of this. So it might be that the mix of products 
still includes a little bit of your third-party solution for some time. And those can be brought in, but not, not very easily, but it's emerging where things like device compliance, integration with Azure AD into third-party products is happening. But it might be that you have a requirement that you want to be able to enforce conditional access outside of the constraints of your MDM solution, and you want to have a conditional access, rules that determine whether or not a mobile device, or the, or taking this away from the device, where the user can connect from, whether that's through a mobile device that is attached to your Azure AD, whether that is a mobile device that's enrolled within Tune and compliant, or whether that is a Windows 10 device, a web browser, and an internet cafe. And those are things outside of MDM. But you need to consider all of those before you start looking at the individual bits that you pull out of MDM because they tie in together. And there's a lot of crossover. So looking at, first of all, what you're doing to prevent unauthorized access from the wrong type of devices and then force device registration is important. That's, that's, a, that's a, an outside of mobile device management conversation. That's device management. And that's authentication, authorization, security team conversations. But those policies have a direct implication on perhaps what products you choose. And, where, and if you need to use the conditional access functionality, that might drive you to using more of the Intune functionality. And that helps, you, but that helps you pick the bits in the portal that you actually end up focusing on. And then once you're picking this up bit by bit, pick it up in that area, and then each individual area becomes less overwhelming. I'm hearing you say, and this is a, a, a radical departure from how we used to do things, which was very product-centric. Yes. So I want to replace one product with another. And so you've mentioned this thing called MAM. Okay, we haven't defined that. We understand maybe what Intune does, but is, is, is MAM Intune light? And then you've mentioned conditional access, which has got nothing to do with mobile device management. So, well, that's, that's I'm gonna not ask true. You, let's just take it yeah. back a step. So, the, the focus that we want on this show is we, we don't necessarily just want to talk about a product. We want yeah. to say, how do I make something work? So, I've got the IT pro out there who could be the administrator, the consultant, the manager, and he's listening to you, Steve, and it's like, I've just heard three products mentioned. Yes. I'm confused. Where do I even start? Do, is this a product evaluation? Is this a different way of thinking? You've mentioned user-centric stuff versus, <laughs> I thought I was managing devices. But, so I think, I think the, the, the first part of the point that we were, we were getting to with this was, number one is you need to understand what you're trying to achieve, right? I think that the challenge that we find too often in many other areas of technology as well is that people look at technology as the solution, but they don't understand the problem that they're trying to, 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 to solve first, yeah. right? So understanding things like, where do my users connect from is a very large part of, of, of being able to successfully implement this as or a strategy. Where, how you want them to connect, because the, the, the way that you're doing it today will be different in the future, because I'll speak to a customer and they will have Android devices, perhaps they'll have Blackberry devices, iPhones, and they'll be enrolled in the existing solution. They will be forced to connect through the on-premises environment, proxied in, and then pushed up to connect to third-party services that might have IP whitelist. But we're moving to a different model with this, where you might say, okay, well, 
what do we want to do, right? We want to make Skype calls. We don't want them to VPN in to be able to have a, a very poor quality conversation. We want them to be able to connect directly. Why are we having to maintain a VPN solution alongside this? How can we, how can we get to where we want to be rather than just make this cloud stuff fit into what we're doing at the moment? And I think that one of the changes there as well is the fact that we're moving away from corporate-owned device scenarios potentially, and we're starting to see a lot more people wanting to use the device of their choice, and the device that they, you know, that they they're bringing their devices to the organisations. And so now we have this challenge where not only are you trying to manage a device um, through all of the scenarios that you just mentioned, but you also have to come up with this being able to distinguish between what is corporate data that is important to us as an organisation versus cat videos and selfies that. Well, shall we shall we break down these the, these three pieces then? So, so there's the Azure AD conditional access that ties into Intune. It, it part of it is making sure that somebody has a compliant device. So that is where they can connect from and what from, and helping make sure that the organisation data is protected from authorised access. Intune is managing the device and pushing out and managing the applications on it. But that combines with the Intune app protection, which is the mobile application management piece. And that's the configuration for what happens within each individual Office app. So if you install the Outlook app or the Word app, making sure that whether that's deployed via Intune to the device as a mobile device management solution, or whether it's installed by the user when they fancy it from the App Store, or whether it's installed via a third-party solution, that the, when they're accessing your data in your Office 365 tenant, it follows certain rules such as cannot paste data out of this application, cannot screenshot, encrypt the data, however that, however that app gets on the device. And the app protection is great for almost all of those scenarios. You're pushing the applications out with Intune, you went full Intune all the way, the app protection, the MAM stuff is great. That's where you will define those policies. You will almost always use it unless you say, we've got full control over the device. We don't care if they screenshot because we've got full control over the device. But you may have some policies in there anyway. You might want, for example, if you let a user have a work device but take it home, you might protect the, the office apps with a pin anyway, just in case the kid is having a play with an app on the phone. You don't want them to switch between the two. So you'll still look at having policies for the mobile application management defined to meet business requirements, policies to manage the device if you're using the full suite altogether, and perhaps these conditions to define how you can and can't access the tenant. And how much of these you use depends on whether you're using third-party products or whether you're very much in favor of bring your own device and you're moving to that model where you don't want to manage the device, you just want to make sure that when there's company data on it, then it's protected properly. So, so essentially what I hear you saying is that we're, we can, depending on how deep we want to go with this, we have, you know, we tack on certain parts of the solution, right? So, yes. so really if we take this back to uh, wanting to manage email on a device, um, we could look at Active Sync within Exchange Online, right? That's the most basic form of um, we're going to allow you to connect your phone and synchronize your data. Yes. But but some most organisations have a slightly deeper need than that, 
where they, they may want to uh, apply some policy to the people who are, you know, synchronizing the mailbox data and so from yeah. that we'll go a little deeper in to uh to the suite or into the the, the product and, and and look at something like the mdm solution or intune um and then depending on if we want to uh, allow them to access data on, on on the device we would then go a little further in again and, and possibly a deploy or push the applications to the device so that we know um they're using the applications that are fit for purpose on the yes. device and be able to provide governance and security around those applications. So uh, if you're ac accessing uh, company data in Word, for example, yeah. on the device, we don't want you to save that data locally. We want to enforce a policy that says you have to save that data to a SharePoint library or possibly to OneDrive so that we can control where the data is located. Yes, and block third-party apps like Box, things like that, so you can't upload it to another cloud service. Okay. All right. So, so, so really just sort of a tiered approach depending on the requirements and of course you know from a device management perspective overall um, wanting to look at you know making sure that you have compliant devices or if people are um, routing their devices uh, which uh, which happens sometimes or side loading yeah. applications or things like that that we can prevent those from actually accessing the network because they may pose some malware or has some hazards in some way yeah okay so I think that that breaks it down in a really really good really yeah. good way and to, to be fair to Microsoft, the big, big benefit, assuming it meets the business requirements of going all in with the Microsoft stuff, is it is a single pane of glass, right? Uh, you, you, I think somebody mentioned before, one throat to choke. But it's, it's, it all works together well. Mm -hmm. And it makes it easier for the administrator, right? Because now, uh, especially the Intune management stuff, it's all built into the Azure portal. Yes. And so now it's, it's you know, you may be in Azure managing uh, Azure Active Directory on a daily basis anyway. Um, maybe you have some, some infrastructure as a service or some other things. Um, and, and now you can manage all your Intune settings through the same place. Yeah. Which, which w I think there's great benefit there in saving admin hours. And, and it makes it easier to design, implement, and put. You, you can build a solution with with by using the Microsoft set, set of skills. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have experts and consultancy in all these different areas to architect an overall solution that meets the requirements. You can have people who understand the Microsoft suite very well, and they can they can do the Office 365 side. They can help out in the Windows deployment side. If you've got Config Manager experts. And again, they can look after the Intune side. So it works well because it's one overall solution. Does that mean that Intune is a modern and scalable and functional full-fat MDM solution for what I've got on-premises today? It, it depends on what you're using on-premises. It's obviously scalable. Yeah. Right. We know that we've got... Customers with 50,000, 100,000 users who are using this service with their devices and they're happy with it. They might not think it's perfect, but, but nothing is, is. So, yeah, absolutely. Intune can be a bit confusing when we think about it because it's not just MDM for mobile devices, it's not just for iOS and Android. Well, exactly, yeah. What about the other stuff? I would want to do and how does that feature into my mobility strategy as a company at its simplest if you are a small business owner or need small to medium and you're not looking to do config manager on premises you're not looking to have a full system center deployment 
which many customers do. So we're just leaving that part to one side. Yeah. But caveat B, they can be integrated together. You could choose to start a small business or as it grows, buy the full suite and use Intune to manage all your Windows 10 devices. Right. So you could choose to say to your employees, go and buy your own PC, go buy a Surface, sign into Azure AD, it will, it will upgrade the license to Windows 10 Enterprise, it will install Office for you, and will deploy all the apps for you. And you won't have had to have any Active Directory on-premises. You'll get full single sign-on to the cloud because it's Azure AD joined. And you can manage the device. Right. And that's something that you could feasibly, if you were starting from a complete greenfield environment, put together in a few hours of, config of configuration settings in the portal. And that's pretty good. Yeah. Because you uh, couldn't do that 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And, and also, I think um, it extends beyond Windows 10 now with the, the announcements we saw this week on, on you know, Jamf and the partnership with Jamf um, and how Mac devices, because let's be honest, we're starting, yes. to see, we're, gonna, we're starting to see more and more That's people. That's a big win for some of our customers as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm yet to see all the detail on what it can and can't do. And I've had some experiences of Mac management by Microsoft tools in the past. So I'll keep an open mind until I see it. Yeah. But it's, it's good, right? It shows, I think, the the evolution of um, the fact that we're starting to see that Microsoft doesn't just consider Windows anymore, right? They mm. understand that there are people who are using Linux, there are people who are using Mac. In fact, um, there's almost like this resurgence of the of the MacBook, right? You're seeing so many more people um, using Macs as their everyday machine. It's not just something they're doing at home anymore. Um, and so, uh, if anyone's listening from the Vizio team, if you were to <laughs> release a version of Vizio for the Mac, that would be awesome. Yes, please. <laughs> They've got some hot competition with surfaces, though. Absolutely. It's, absolutely. Well, it, it's won our house over anyway. I can't speak for businesses. <laughs> but uh, we've moved from Mac surfaces all the way. Wow, that's interesting. Mm. And I think, so I think that that in itself is great because yeah. that competition is good for the consumer. It's good for organizations. Well, that's how it should be, right? Correct. I should be able to pick my next phone or pick my next device and not have to worry about whether I'll be able to do what I need to do. And we're, we're getting there. Yep. Certainly, we've got that for home, but we, we need to get there for business as well. And that ties into that the bring their own device strategy that we were just talking about, right? Being able to allow, you know, I think we're seeing the younger workforce, um, they want to be able to do the things in, in, in the workplace that they can do at home, right? They want, yeah. they want um, easy, easy, um, large mailboxes, easy accessibility to the data. Um, and we were talking in a session earlier today about the fact that they are very good at finding the path of least resistance. If you lock something down and yeah. it prevents them from being productive, they will work around you in order to be productive. Well, that's it. I, I really hate the term millennial and stuff like that because I'm like, well, I'm a millennial mm -hmm. and I don't feel that way. But then when you think about that, it's like, well, that's exactly what I started doing as soon as I went into the workforce because I grew up with all this technology. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, let, well, you know, my first job, less than 20, uh, under 20 when the, when the year 2000 came around. And I, I always wanted so I was always frustrated that technology wasn't as easy as it was outside of work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you think back to those days, right, those of us, we were all in, in sort of from a, from a messaging background. Yeah. Can you remember the days of five meg mailboxes? You know, and, and, and <laughs> well, being exactly. Able, yeah, being able to like, oh, I, I got another alert from the administrator. My mailbox is full. And then Gmail came out and it was two gigs. Mm. And everyone was like, well, why can't we do that at work? Like I can do that yeah. for free with Gmail. Why can't I do it at work? And when customers started talking like that, 
we knew that you know change was inevitable. Yeah. And and that, and and Microsoft have reacted really well to that. Teams was launched on the Mac on the first day. That's a big turnaround. Mm -hmm. That's great news for customers we've got in media design because it's like they get it then. They're happy with this. They know that they've got a, a product that wasn't an afterthought for them. Mm -hmm. And I think for a very long time, Microsoft had this the status of being too corporate and not being cool enough, right? And Google was always the cool cousin or the, 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 the company that gets it. And some people will never be convinced otherwise. Sure. But they're doing a good job. I anyway, agree. this is getting a bit too lovey for Microsoft, for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> this is, these are MVPs uh, getting a little bit uh, um, over the top on, <laughs> on the Microsoft love. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I totally get it. Let's step away from the hug here and, and let's <laughs> sort of tackle a, a topic real to some, some, some folks. So if you were sort of uh, engaging or, or, or sort of working with a customer who is yeah. starting this mobile device management, device management, if you will, journey, I got to get away from saying the mobile device management, this device management journey, um, what are your recommendations for them? Where should they start? What, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we've discussed the concepts, but you know, do you have a, a, a concise list of recommendations for them? Um, I think the user experience is the top one because a lot of the projects today, especially around productivity-based projects where they're looking to do digital workplace transformation, and that, I know that's a bit of a buzzword, but where they're looking to really try and change the way that people are working on a day-to-day -day basis, they start by doing research into what problems users are encountering on a day-to-day -day basis. And that means a heavy-handed security approach for mobile device management might not be helpful. It also helps understand what the business wants because the business isn't just the security team deciding what the business needs to meet regulatory compliance. It is also understanding how to make the, the experience better for the people that are earning the company money. And that user research is the thing that helps the partner I work for, Content Co, be very successful. And that does drive the decisions around how best to deploy the security solutions because they might need to tie into the apps that they're going to use and whether they support everything that you need on a mobile device and how that will be managed and whether you'll be able to, to put in all the controls you need. And it might be that the user research says, yes, we get corporate devices at the moment, but you know, on the, we, we know that in the, the shop, we would be far better using an iPad. And that might come out. We might be trying to find out what's wrong with their experience with email. It might be areas like that that they bring up. I can't get my emails until the end of the day because I haven't got a device in the shop for. And those are the areas that often drive those kind of change. So we build out a plan and a roadmap based on that. And that's where this kind of thing comes from. So it has to, it has to be holistic and it has to be based around trying to make users more productive but tallied into the security. So the two, the risk versus the benefits need to, to be the starting point. Steve, you mentioned something there which I think is a, a very real struggle which is you've got the security person who has to do their job. That's what yeah. they're there for. And then you've got that struggle with the rest of the business that says, I need to use my device. And yeah. often I can find that the COO is the person who sabotages this entire thing because that person may decide, well, the security stuff is too restrictive. I want to use my stuff at home and then undermines the entire compliance policy. And then yeah. we've got that tension and it's all wrapped around mobile device management. And then mobility gets a bad name in the business. How do you deal with that? Well, I, I think this is where 
you've got to bring them in as early as possible into the conversation and be very upfront about what you're looking to achieve. Yeah. Because if you're trying to slowly sneak in this solution, then they are likely to misunderstand the openness of the solution, the, yeah. the cloud solution, and perhaps think of a few years ago where things were much wider open, there were far, far less controls available. Mm. Bring them into the conversation early, be open about what you're trying to achieve for the users, and let them and open spend time. doesn't mean less secure, does it? Open does not mean less secure. And this is, that's the difference. We, we talked right at the beginning of this podcast about how Microsoft's approach is different. It's based on the user. It's based on making, making it easy for the user to access the data securely, not just about the device. So they might be able to enroll devices if you chose to, al to allow them to do so. Whereas the, the, the typical MDM approach is you get the device, you get it on site, you enroll it into the system, and then you give it to the user. It's turning that on its head where the user is, a, is the core. And that, that's why things like conditional access are so important because they put the rules that meet the security requirements. But for the security team to have any chance of approving it, they need to be on site. They need to be involved from an early point in the conversation. You just said um, conditional access a whole bunch of times and surely that means on-premises ADFS with some kind of a second factor but what if that phone is that second factor? Conditional access doesn't mean using ADFS. Conditional access is included with Azure AD Premium, and it can work with ADFS very well, but it is intended to provide the controls you get with ADFS where you can do IP whitelisting. Certificate-based authentication is another one that you can do with ADFS on-premises. It might work with those, with, with all those multi-factor auth bits on-prem, but it is a way of giving you those controls in the cloud. So you can do IP whitelisting in the cloud. You can make sure devices are Azure AD joined and managed. You can make sure that, and of course, that gives them the certificate yeah. to be able to access your services. Yeah. It's, it can be completely cloud-based with no on-premises authentication and still be just as secure. Or it can work with ADFS. I think that's, again, just breaking down the barriers of um, wanting to do these types of things and not requiring on-premises infrastructure. Yeah. Right? And being able to streamline, you know, less infrastructure means obviously less cost associated with managing it, but it also means less skill required to be able to do these types of things, right? You don't have to go and employ a whole team of people now to be able to give you two-factor authentication when it's in the cloud and uh, it's the, if they understand the Microsoft ecosystem, they can understand how that works instead of being a, a, a particular uh, expert in a particular vendor technology. I, th I think to get the very, very deep level of skill required to really, really understand how it works and to have those conversations with the, the, the CISO about whether this solution is gonna meet their needs, you do need that deep level of knowledge you, okay. need, you need to understand the process that the certificates are exchanged by, refresh times for tokens, and how that token is presented. You need to understand all the possible permeations of workarounds. You need to be up to date all the time on the technology as it evolves. So you might have new features coming out to manage where people can sign in from and have automatic threat detection. So if they're signing in from an unusual place, 
stuff you don't get with ADFS, stuff that's enabled by Microsoft's scale of being able to run the cloud. If you, you know, someone starts signing in from China or signing in from Africa, but they're based in the US, then it can pick up those things. Mm -hmm. And those are, the, those are the kind of things that if you learn about it, go on a course or just have a, a high level overview of every part of the Microsoft technology, you won't be able to just do. You'll be able to configure it and set it up, but you won't be able to, you, you, won't, you won't get through your, your career by just being a generalist. You've got to have a general understanding of everything, but you need to focus in particular areas. You just said that there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in the background, but I'm on premises. I can touch my stuff, and now you're telling me that I need to trust in something that Microsoft is doing for me that's based on behavioral analysis, but I've got no control over that. Is that right? Yes, but did you write ADFS? Did you write BEZ? No, you bought it and installed it, and then you configured it. So you buy it, it's installed for you, which BEZ might have been installed for you, right? Yeah. How many people buy BEZ as a service from their mobile phone company? Sure. And you still configure it. But we're There's talking about behavior tracking and heuristics. So surely this is much more out of the box. It's kind of like EOP's model of, sorry for the folks at home, that is Exchange Online Protection. Yeah. That is another behavioral analysis model as opposed to, I've got these 25 filters installed on this box and those yeah. 25 filters do stuff that I'm completely in control of. Now you're telling me that my login behavior is analyzed by a set of AI and learning machines yeah. and I can trust it and it just works. And it's your choice as to whether you use it. it Microsoft don't switch it on for you. You switch it on when you're happy it does what you want. Uh, for, for those interested in trying to see where Microsoft are really going deep on this, have a look at Cloud App Security because that takes the same data and lets you do all sorts of very, very interesting things where the behavioral analysis is there, but you take that data as input and create your own rules and policies. So you could, have a, you could create a set of rules that say if someone starts downloading large numbers of files from an unusual location for that user to stop them or make an alert. So you've got the control, you've got the configurability, and you've got the option to switch it on or not. But it's so also your it's data, your choice. right? Yes. It's your data because it's coming from sources within your network at that point. Well, it's my data, but does that mean that Microsoft is spying on me? Come on, we're MVPs. We don't need to have this conversation. <laughs> well, <laughs> because anyone who's buying this software will, should go through a yep. due diligence process where they work out whether or not the Microsoft Cloud meets their requirements for whether they, you know, they've got contracts that require certified data destruction or someone's going to come into their, their building and has to be able to feel that disk and take it away. Not many customers have that. A few do, right? And, and you know, we'll occasionally come across customers who have those requirements. So most of them will go through the normal due diligence process where they have a look at what certifications the Microsoft Cloud meets. Microsoft have documentation on the security procedures for how people can and can't access the, ser access the service. They have published documentation recommending things like privileged access workstations where people have to sign in to a workstation that has no rights at all, has no third-party software on, and only that special workstation could be used to then jump into the service. Microsoft used techniques and they're very open about how they make sure that they keep their service secure, how they manage it in a way where 
admins can't just go and delete or play around with data. And you could just read up on all this stuff. So you shouldn't ha be having this conversation when you've moved all your mailboxes to Office 365 and you're just wondering about switching on features for behavioral-based IP blocking because you should already trust the Microsoft Cloud. Well, you said the trust word, and I find that the biggest blocker in cloud adoption, well, any technology adoption, but since cloud is so ubiquitous, is trust. You cannot trust my vendor. And I think you've boiled it down really nicely in terms of if you don't do your due diligence, don't engage on a trust argument because it's up to you to decide what technology you would choose to trust and because you have to trust something, yeah. otherwise you may as well depart into a cave. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, you're, you're making trust decisions regardless if you're going to the cloud or not, right? If, you, if you're deploying a particular firewall technology, how do you know that what the interface tells you is open from a port perspective That's is in right. fact open, right? Yeah. There's a trust in everything we do. Um, the, the area that is most troublesome around that whole space is not security, because that can be that that can be dealt with. That can be understood. The trust in the service can be be understood, and there's enough information there that it's a one-time exercise. Change in the service, service management is the big area where you've got to turn about what you're doing at the moment. And evergreen is the the key word there. Things keep changing. You have this big fire hose of new stuff coming your way that will either give you more options to do clever things, you pick whether or not you need those features or not, switch them on, switch them off, and also changes that actually affect your users, like you need to upgrade your version of Outlook or else it won't work in later this year, for example. Areas like that are where you need to be more concerned about than just whether Microsoft are running a trustworthy service, because they are, but you need to understand that change will come all the time and you need to be prepared for it. I think that's a, a, a really great way to end the show. Um, really, really wise words there as well. So thank you very much for spending time with us. Thank uh, you. Before we let you go, um, what do you want to plug? Is there anything? Where, how can people reach you, people get hold of you, things like that? Uh, grab me on Twitter, at Steve Goodman. Uh, and you can find me on my blog, www.allabout365.com. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can find me, Nicholas, on the Twitter at Nicholas Blank, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. I blog at blankmanblog.com. I'm also on Twitter at Chris Goosen, or you can visit my blog, cgoosen.com. Our show is on Facebook at facebook.com slash thearchitects.cloud, and our website, as before, thearchitects.cloud. Our Twitter handle at thecloudarch.com.